Hey folks and welcome back to the Blue Light Podcast. I'm Brendan from Blue Light and this is the place to be to listen to all you need to know about the police recruitment process, no matter where in the world you are, although I do tend to focus on the United Kingdom, but for those of you who are international listeners, you're most welcome and I love to hear from you. Just last week I heard from one of our listeners from Australia and someone else from the United States. Fantastic, fantastic to hear from you. So this week, what we're we going to talk about? Well, it's been a really, really interesting week. Um, lots going on. But the thing that really caught my eye was how the Metropolitan Police have announced that they're going to start recruiting again. So Metropolitan Police serves the communities of London. And for several months, they've just not been recruiting at all. As soon as COVID came in, the pandemic came in, and all the assessment processes stopped, they also stopped recruiting as well. I think they want to recruit face-to-face again. I do believe that they want to run their face-to-face assessment centres, but of course you can't do that at the moment because it'd be like this coronavirus carousel. It'd just be really inappropriate and it'd be putting people at danger. So the world has moved online, but the Metropolitan Police hasn't. And I do believe they've not needed to recruit as well because the people who they expected to leave, not the retirees, so you can plan for the people who are retiring, but the people who would normally leave mid-career, there's always going to be people who want to go and try something else in their lives, and, and that's fine. I think that's a great thing to do. Expand your horizons. You know, it doesn't have to be a job for life. But those people haven't been leaving at the rate that they expected to. So what this has done is I think it's given them some breathing space to thinking about, right, when we do start recruiting, what's that future going to look like? And so this week they announced through the Mayor's Office for Policing and Crime that in the future they're going to have a target in respect of black and Asian minority ethnic recruitment of 40%. So 40% of the recruits in the future will be from a black and Asian minority ethnic background. And on top of that, they're also going to introduce or reintroduce, because this has happened before, the London criteria in that you have to be a Londoner. What does that mean? Well, I think the last, seem to remember the last time you introduced it, it meant that you have to live within the M25 corridor and you've had to have lived there for three out of the past six years. I think it's something like that. I don't know whether it's going to be the same criteria this time, though. What surprised me, though, was the, the vitriolic vitriolic attack on the police and this, this policy on Twitter, both from serving police officers, retired police officers, and people who've got a stake in the police. Um, really, really bordering on discriminatory at times, some of the comments. This outrage that the police should want to better represent themselves and be more... Uh, reflective of the communities that they're a part of because of course in the metropolitan police area well over 40 percent of the population come from a black asian minority ethnic background and please forgive me if you don't agree with that that phrase i know some people don't they just like the phrase people of color or black or look i'm not going to dance around this i'm just going to use that phrase um if there's anything i should do to improve on the terminology i use please do let me know because i know this could be a bit of a delicate issue but for the moment i'm going to use the phraseology black asian minority ethnic so uh, well over 40 percent well over 40 percent and yet the police service uh, is only 15.4 percent so just over 15 percent of the ranks police officers within the met police are from black asian minority ethnic backgrounds and that that decreases the higher up the ranks you go. So there's very, very few uh, senior officers who come from um, a BAME background. At the current rate, 
it's estimated that in a hundred years the Metropolitan Police will be reflective of the communities that they're a part of. And I don't think that's right. You know, I think this goes all the way back to Sir Robert Peel and the principles that he set in stone in 1829 about the police being the public and the police being the public being the police. And there's a lot more to that principle, but essentially what he suggests through his principles is that the police should be reflective of the communities that they are a part of. And at the moment they're not. And I think this is so important for so many different reasons, legitimacy being key here. Are the police seen as legitimate agents within my community or within my section, subsection of the community? If not, then this impacts on the the communication that people have with police officers and vice versa. And having been a serving police officer, especially in neighbourhood policing where I, I did seven or eight years as a neighbourhood inspector, I learned how important this is for so many different reasons. It's just so important. This is subject of another podcast, but it's so, so important. Now, th- that's the reason... Okay, let, we, if we just take that as read, that that's the reasons why we should have better representation. This is something that's been a problem within the police, though, ever since I can remember. You know, the Macpherson report that came out in 1999 recommended all sorts of things that should be done to improve representation. And here we are, over 20 years later, and we're still nowhere near that. I don't think there's any, there's no force in the country that accurately reflects the communities that it's a part of. I do believe that our home force of North Yorkshire is getting close to it, but in terms of representation of black, Asian, minority, ethnic communities in North Yorkshire, all they need to do is increase the numbers by several, yet several, and they're going to hit that representation because the communities of North Yorkshire don't have a a high percentage of black, Asian, minority, ethnic individuals. But I've got to say, they've got some really good people behind all of this in the force. Uh, Their Deputy Chief Constable, Phil Kane, is so, so vocal about it. And, you know, I've got to give him kudos for that. And a lot of officers in the force as well are very vocal about it. Now, that's what was missing in this announcement. So we announced that the police are only going to recruit from London and we're going to have a target of 40% black, Asian, minority, ethnic it's not a quota. A quota would be unlawful. That would be positive discrimination. And I know it's a play on words. Some of you might be saying target, quota, doesn't matter. It'll kick off a set of behaviours that might as well make it a, a quota. All right, let's put that to one side. Um, we've just got to wait and see. But the one thing I noticed in this announcement was the lack of vocal support. Or perhaps I'm just missing the Twitter accounts. But certainly on Twitter, I wasn't hearing a lot of vocal support for this aim for this this worthy aim you know i'm going to put my shoulder behind this i think it's a very very worthy aim i think it will add a huge amount of value to the service if the metropolitan police can achieve this representation and if it takes five years not 100 years now karen wilson assistant chief constable in oh forgive me karen lincolnshire i can't remember it's um anyway She's an assistant chief constable. She was quite vocal. She came out on Sky News talking about the importance of representation and cutting back some of the red tape and getting rid of some of the bureaucracy. And, you know, she highlighted some of the issues, but that was it. That was it. The only other people I heard talking about this were people who were black, Asian, minority, ethnic. These were the only people who had the shoulders behind it and were very, very supportive. I would have expected lots of senior officers. I would have expected the College of Policing. I would have expected the National Police Chiefs Council. I would have expected a lot more people of seniority, of influence, to be getting behind this. But no. Silence. 
So that got me thinking, how important is this really? You know, is it important to the mayor's office, but it's not so important to the commissioner? I don't know, I'm not sure. Let's wait and see, let's wait and see. Because there was an announcement from the commissioner, but I've got to be honest, it, it, it looked a bit sort of corporate, it didn't feel like it was from the heart, or maybe that's just me. You know, you might have a different take on that. So where am I going with this podcast? Well, it got me thinking about reimagining police recruitment because at this moment in time, if we continue to do what we've always done and we continue to do what we're doing now, then we're going to get exactly the same results. Does that make sense? And the exact, exactly the same results isn't what we're looking for because at the moment, 15.4% of the ranks in the Metropolitan Police, Black and Asian minority ethnic, and I believe over the past year, the number of individuals, percentage of individuals from uh, black and Asian minority ethnic backgrounds is just under 20%, just under 20%. So that's nowhere near the 40% that they're aiming for, although it's progress. Some would say that's progress. So we're going to have to reimagine police recruitment if we are going to attain this. And it just got me thinking, wouldn't it be really exciting if we could just have this blank piece of paper if we just had this sort of, right, we've forgotten all the policies, all the policies and everything that's driven us before, the way we've always done things, if we just forgot about them. So we woke up tomorrow morning and we just couldn't remember. We've got all our innate skills, we've got all our abilities, we've got all our creativity still, but the part that remembers all the old policies and all the old ways of doing things has gone. And we're going to have to reinvent the way we do things. So it's a bit of a thought experiment. I just thought I'd try that and so I've jotted down a load of ideas here and indulge me whilst I share these ideas with me and let me know what you think. Because at the moment, there's lots of recruitment campaigns, but they, I don't know, they, they just seem a bit samey. So the government at the moment are pushing this big 20,000 uplift, uh, be a force for all, uh, make your difference, join the police. Fantastic. And you see a lot of the adverts and they'll have lots of black and Asian faces representing the police. And I know because I follow those individuals on Twitter that they are actually serving police officers who do care passionately about representation. And in a lot of the videos, they're doing their very best, I think, to portray people from all sorts of different backgrounds but in the main you do see in the videos um a lot more people from a black and asian minority visible minority background than you would expect if you actually walked into a police station so in one of the videos i, I totted it up there were more i think there's about 60 percent of black and asian minority ethnic individuals portrayed versus about 40 percent white now that is not what the police look like that's not what it looked like. So it just struck me that perhaps the, the, what they're thinking there, and they'd be right to do so, is if we have people who, as role models there, and we portray the police as being very, very diverse, and hopefully we'll encourage people from different backgrounds to join from various diverse backgrounds. Yeah, I can see the sense in that. But is it working? Is it really working? So I took a look at YouTube and how some of those videos are doing, and I've, I've got to say... You know, there was this wonderful Muslim, young Muslim police officer, uh, female police officer, talking on one of the uh, videos about what it's like to be a Muslim woman police officer in, in a police force. I think it was Thames Valley. And it's had 108 views. That's it. 108 views. On YouTube, the biggest video that they promote, the Home Office promote about join the police, you know, be a force for all, has had about 9,000 views. And that's nothing. <laughs> it's absolutely nothing. 
So that's why it got me thinking about, right, can we do something different here? And what would that be? Because another thing that police forces rely on, and I keep in touch with some of them because I'm involved in positive action for a few forces, is they have individuals who've got a responsibility for positive action to try and attract people to apply from different backgrounds, minority backgrounds, and once they do apply to give them some additional support. Uh, at the point of assessment, everything is equal. You know, there's there's no advantage to being black, Asian, minority, ethnic. Actually, there's a disadvantage. If you look at the stats, just as a, an aside, for the day one assessment centre, that's the one the Metropolitan Police were trialling. Um, if you're black, only 43% of you would pass. If you're white British, 81% were passed. 43% black, 81% white British. So actually, despite positive action, you're at a huge disadvantage. There's some systematic problem going on there. There's some systems failure involved in that assessment process. So before anyone says that positive action gives everyone an unfair advantage, well, it isn't. <laughs> Clearly it's not. You know, 43% black pass versus 81% white British. Now, there's something wrong there. So that needs reimagining. So what would that look like if we reimagined everything? Because some of the videos I'm seeing are a bit scripted. You know, the ones from the Home Office. Uh, it's a bit unusual as well. Um, there's officers there without epaulets. There's one black officer. I don't think they are an officer, actually. I think they're probably an actor saying, we'll support you, we'll do this for you. They look really strange. And they look really strange because they're just wearing a black epaulet with nothing else on it. Now, having been a police officer in three forces, I know I'd feel I'd feel almost naked if I didn't have my collar number or something that represents what force I'm from on my epaulets. It's part of the uniform. Anyway, getting back to reimagining the police. So I just started imagining what it'd be like if I couldn't remember all of these things around positive action. So I started to think about, well, actually, no, let's not forget everything. What's going well at the moment? what is going well that's our starting point if our problem that we want to tackle is improving representation what's going well let's not you know throw out what's going well and i started thinking that actually we've got some outstanding role models within the police from all sorts of different diverse backgrounds and a lot of them tell really good stories about their background i'm thinking about one particular sergeant who um, I've followed all the way from before he actually joined the police. I'm not going to embarrass him by using his name, but you know who you are. Um, he's got an outstanding story to tell. And I know he's inspired so many people to join the police. And his stories aren't scripted. You know, they are not scripted by some marketing corporation on behalf of the Home Office. They come from the heart. So more of that, because that's good. That's good. And a lot, a lot of forces as well are using things like Facebook Lives to connect with people. So that's good as well. Um, the things that aren't good are the adverts that basically say, join the police, it's a great career, come and join us. You know, that sort of thing doesn't work anymore. It really doesn't work. So let's keep hold of what's working already. And then start thinking about, right, what's our vision? If, we, if we're going to keep hold of that... And we could multiply that by 50, if we could multiply it by 100, if we could build upon everything that was good and is working already, then what would our vision be for the future? And so this is when I started thinking about what that, what that would look and feel like if you just walked into a police station anywhere, in particular the Metropolitan Police, and you would see and hear representation. As uh, I think it was Bernard Hogan Howe said, when I look at the Metropolitan Police, I don't see London, or words to that effect. You'd walk into the police station and you'd see London. 
It would look and feel like London in terms of the languages, the culture, the, the, the dress, how people dress, how people um, carry themselves. The, uh, everything that makes London such a rich, diverse place, you would, you'd feel and hear inside the police station. So that's our vision for the future. So the next question is, what needs doing to get there? What needs doing to get there? Um, and I started thinking, well, a faster process without some of the red tape wrapped around it would, would probably help because the way we recruit is very linear. You know, you do an application form, you succeed in that or you don't succeed in that, and then you go to the next stage, which is an assessment centre, and then you may have an interview, and a lot of the interviews are different across the country, and then you go through medical, vetting, fitness, and eventually if there's an intake for you, you may get to join. Now, that process, I've not seen any force do that in fast, faster than six months. I think I've seen a force, I think it was Greater Manchester, did it in about six to eight months, something like that for some candidates. For the most part, though, people are hanging around waiting for a year, sometimes over two years. I know so many people have waited over two years to get that warrant card in the pocket, from the point of application to warrant card in the pocket, over two years. I know at this moment in time, people are given st- uh, being given start dates of October 2021. And I know some people are being told that your start date will probably be in 2022. Now, depending on what you're listening to this in November 2020, that's like two years time. You know, it's too long. It's too long. So we've got to shorten that. But that's just one thing that we could do. And that's for everyone. What else could we do? Well, I started thinking that if we just reinvented the way we recruit so that we are more representative in the future, we would scrap positive action. Yeah, there'd be no such thing as positive action because it'd be everyone's business. If it's so important that the mayor's office and the commissioner are behind it, allegedly, then it's everyone's business. If this is a crisis, if this is something that would take us 100 years to get right, then it's a crisis and it needs to be everyone's business. Everyone needs to be behind this. All ranks. Everyone who works in the police. This is one of our missions. This should be a mission for the police. Reducing crime. Making sure that people feel safe. Ensuring that we are more representative workforce. Not more, but ensuring that we actually are a representative workforce. Now, if it's everyone's business, then we don't need positive action anymore because everyone is an ambassador. Everyone is a recruiter. Everyone is out there doing their bit to ensure that the police are more representative. And that got me thinking, you might be able to get some people to do that because it's the right thing to do. And if the chiefs are behind it, then other people will follow. Other people may not want to follow, but how could you make them follow? That got me thinking about, well... Look, you know, you can force people to do things or you can leverage people to do things. That's probably a better phrase. Leverage people to do things in the police by changing the systems. One of the systems that we could change really easily is just introducing one question. And that question would be in promotion boards or it would be in any interview that you have for a specialist position. Anything you want to go for, either in promotion or specialist positions, one of the questions that you would be asked in that interview is what actions have you taken what actions have you personally taken to increase representation in this force? Just that one question would be a game changer. I wonder how many forces are actually going to introduce that type of question, though, into the promotion process. It'd be interesting to watch, interesting to see. Um, the other thing I think is needed is, is constant comms. 
And this is not just for people from Black Asian minority ethnic backgrounds, but for everyone. Because one of the things I hear about so much is that the comms from the recruitment team is awful. I send them an email, they don't reply. I ask them a question, they don't reply. I phone them up, I get some bland answer. It needs to be a lot better. And using the platforms that people use. So people use Facebook. That's where I'd be doing all of my comms. I'd be creating Facebook groups and I'd be creating something to keep people engaged in the process. More than just the next part of the process would be the assessment process. Uh, next part of it would be the interview. Next part would be the medical. And then they hear nothing and everyone's checking their emails on a daily basis. I know that because that's what people say they're doing in the Facebook group that I have that's now actually just tipping over 14,000 people. Uh, shameless plug for the Facebook group if you're not part of it. Search up Blue Light Police Recruitment on Facebook groups and ask to join that group. Amazing group. Honestly, amazing group. Uh, the people inside there are doing some incredible things to support each other throughout this process. But shouldn't that be the force that's actually providing that support and that guidance? Not a Facebook group made up of people who want to join the police. So something there about constant comms. Um, what else did I start thinking about? And this is by no means an exhaustive list. Please do add to it if you can. I started then thinking about, well, look at the, the reach that the Home Office have with their videos. I mean, I really felt for the Muslim officer who had 108 views on YouTube. 108. 108. You know, I can post a video and within hours, I know it'll have 200 to 300 views. 108. Really? Come on, I think we can do better than that. So I started thinking, how would you how would you actually get in front of people using the media that they use? So let's just focus on Facebook and YouTube for the moment. How would I do that? How would I go about doing that? Now, we can post adverts, and I heard today about the College of Policing looking to run some adverts, I think, around this subject. But people know adverts when they see adverts, don't they? And do you take notice of adverts? If it sounds and feels like an advert, I'm probably going to tune out and switch off. And I think that might be what's going on with YouTube and with Facebook and with the Home Office pushing and promoting this sort of join the police agenda. So I started thinking, what would be different? What would be different? And then I started thinking about influencers. What struck me was a guy called Jim Jeffries. I know you're going to say who? <laughs> Jim Jeffries is a comedian uh, for Comedy Central, which is a um, TV channel from the United States, I think. He sounded Australian, actually, or he's probably going to get in touch with me and say, no, I'm Canadian. But he sounded Australian. Now, he went out with the police in Birmingham, West Midlands Police, and he just went out for a day just to find out what they do and how they do it. And uh, it was funny. There's some funny parts of it, but there's always some funny parts of what the police do because... You know, the police like to enjoy themselves whenever they can. You know, it, it, there's a time for seriousness, but there's also a time for making the job as enjoy enjoyable as possible. And it had a couple of characters on there, which I just thought were absolutely awesome adverts for the police. That video had 2.5 million views in just two years. 2.5 million views. So I got thinking about, well, if I was in charge of recruitment, what would I do? What would I do? Well, I'd start thinking about less adverts and more stories like this one, more using people who are re relatable influencers. So then I started thinking, right, who are the relatable influencers? So I just Googled relatable influencers in the UK and came up with Deji Ola 
Tunji, I think I pronounced that right, or is that the, that's the way I've written it down on my paper here, actually, I might have pronounced that wrong. Um, 2.4 million Instagram followers, 9 million YouTube followers, does comedy, pranks, boxing, boxing. Are the police in London involved in boxing? Yes, they are. I know they've got a police boxing club, and I know so many police officers do some outstanding work around young people and encouraging them to be the best versions of themselves they can be through boxing. So what would I do? I'd invite Deji to come and spend some time with us and to film it, and so we can put it out on his Instagram channel, YouTube, and all the rest of it. That'd be an outstanding advert for the police, because I know you'd have some incredible people behind that. Uh, Joe Wicks, that's a name that I think a lot of us have heard of. of. Uh, 2.2 million followers, Facebook 3 million. Uh, Diet advice, uh, fitness, just got me thinking about invite Joe Wicks to come and do the fitness test for to be an armed police officer or just a basic recruit fitness test or diet advice for police officers. Let's, Let's go and find police officers who are following really healthy lifestyles despite the fact that they're working shifts and do a little video around that. Um... Giovanna Fletcher, never heard of her, but she does stuff around happy mum, happy baby. So Giovanna comes to meet some police officers, her male and female police officers who are mums and dads, and speaks to that, speaks to them about how do they manage shift work, the pressures of policing, and being a mum or a dad. And a short interview uh, goes out on her Facebook channel and YouTube channel and Instagram, and again she's got millions of followers, very much like Jim Jeffries. You know how did that get? put together i my guess is that came from jim jeffries and came from comedy central and i wonder whether west midlands police knew that this would be such a good advert for west midlands police 2.5 million views and it didn't come across like an advert and the people who want to join the police now especially at the younger end don't like adverts people don't like adverts you always go and make a cup of tea don't you when the adverts come on No one really watches an advert. If it feels like an advert, if it feels like you're trying to market and sell something to me, I'll tune out. These influencers, though, I mean, that was just me just Googling them half an hour ago and came up with three names and three ideas. Um, I'm not a recruiting team, but it just got me thinking. There's so many new things that we could do to get out of the mould that we're in. Because remember, if we want a result that is nothing like the one that we've got today then we've got to do things that are nothing like what we're doing today to achieve that result. 40% representation is something that I honestly believe can be achieved and should be achieved. But how we do that has got to be from a different starting point. And that different starting point, I think, starts off with creativity, imagination. What would I do if I was in charge of the police team responsible for this? I think I'd get a load of 20-year-olds together in a room and just say, What would have attracted you into policing if you had the ideal marketing campaign, the ideal route into policing? What would it look and feel like and get them to design it? When I say 20-year-olds, I mean ones that are actually in the police now. Um, No one in that team is allowed to be over 23. There you go. And I'd just give them a free reign. I'd tell them, just imagine that you've lost your memory and you've just got to design all of this from scratch. What would it look and feel like? I think they might come up with things like influencers. I think they might come up with things like Facebook groups to keep people excited and energised throughout the process. I think they might come up with some ideas that I'm not capable of having. But I think we need to give people the freedom to come up with those ideas to do something different. Like I said, if we continue doing what we're doing now, we'll just get the same stale results. And I am passionate about this because I think it's really, really important I've always felt it was important ever since I went to work abroad and I was the ethnic minority. I was the only white officer on my shift 
and I got to suffer some of the racism, both institutional and overt, and it didn't feel good. Actually, it felt horrible. So I think we do need to improve that representation just to make sure that that element of policing that I don't think is out there at all, you know, uh, on a daily basis, but it is happening. It must feel uncomfortable, I think, if you are a young Muslim uh, woman who's walking into a room full of white males and you've not got many role models around you. It must feel difficult. And I'd like to think I can feel a little bit what it must be like having been in that situation myself. So anyway, uh, that's a, a subject of another podcast. Um, thank you for listening to this one. bit heavy going at times, but I'm going to leave you with that. Sort of, let's start getting our imagination going. And if you've got any ideas, let me know. And I'll speak to you at the next podcast. If, you, if you'd like any subjects covering that I've not covered so far, please do let me know. I'd be delighted to cover them for you. I'll catch up with you next week. Speak to you soon. Stay safe. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.